Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of enemy territory, downtown Toronto, alongside Brandon Pillar up in Collingwood. And it's a Send Central Citizen Saturdays. Yes, Saeed Kuda will be joining us later in the show to get his take on the turnaround that this Ottawa Senators roster's made and what he believes is a comparable to the early 2000 Sends. We'll also get into Bruce Garriock's latest on Colin White and check in with our Sends in Europe. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Saturday, October 24th. And as I say that, the sun comes out in Toronto for the first time in what feels like a week, Pilsy, but it's still been. 115 episodes since the Ottawa Senators last played. I am going crazy. Yeah, well, you've always been a little bit crazy. You're just going a little more crazy. And uh, we we need some Sens hockey here. Like, how many more episodes can we do without Sens hockey? We'll find out, I guess. Do you think we're going to get to 200? Yeah, probably. I mean, we're not math guys here on the pod, but uh, yeah, we can make it there. Yeah, I think so. There's tons of content, especially because the Sens do have players all over the world playing and I'm going to get to Robbie Yarventi in a second but Eric Brandstrom take me through that apple that he had in his Swiss league what third game I think he's got four points in three games I might have flipped those numbers yeah he's definitely doing good but uh that for him to get an assist there was pretty generous I mean he dumped the puck in from center ice and got crushed into the boards like he got hammered and then his dump in uh one of his teammates ends up picking it up throws it towards the net and then buddy gets a rebound and scores so he gets a generous second assist a little reward for taking that big hit at center ice but hey that's what you want to see you want to see eric branstrom not afraid to take that big hit make the play take the hit get the reward. You love seeing it. And he, he's just one of many players over in Europe, absolutely lighting it up. So it's great to see Brantstrom doing well. And it's three points in four games, courtesy of our boy sends prospects. Who's been all over this. Now, Robbie Yarventi, I want to play you a clip, but before I tee this clip up and this is going to involve a name change because going forward, it's Robbie Yarventi, but are you surprised at this point that this guy's still lighting it up? This is seven points now in eight games. And he's not a guy who's had North American experience like Branstrom and Abramov, who we kind of expected to dominate, let alone Balser's, what, four points in his debut? Like, all right, buddy. Maybe a little bit too easy of a league for you, but hey, get the confidence up. But Yarventi, that's not the case for him. Yeah, well, and I think confidence is another thing. There was quite a lot of people who raised their eyebrows when the Ottawa Senators selected Yarventi that high, but there was also a lot of people, Craig Button included, that thought it was a great pick. The offensive upside is massive. And I think Robbie Yarventi, or sorry, Robbie Yarventi, when he got, um, he got a big confidence boost getting drafted, and now he knows his path. He knows I can't be dogging it out there. I got to show my effort because if I'm going to crack the Senators roster, I got to leapfrog a bunch of guys. So a half-assed effort out there isn't going to work for Robbie Yarventi. And he's showing that you put him in the right spots, the right opportunities to score, and he's going to score. 
And I'm not only saying that he's spreading his wings because he's been wearing the Red Bull helmet that goes to the leading rookie point score. But when you listen to yourself on a highlight reel like this, it's got to fire you up. What an absolute stud. I have no idea what he's saying, but I love it. My girlfriend was asking if that was Spanish. <laughs> the the yeah, announcer. I was like, well, it's two Finnish teams in the Finnish Elite League. I'm going to guess it's Finnish. But... Hey, maybe they have a Spanish commentator. You don't know. <laughs> hey, it does make for anything entertaining. Um, if you guys watch football at all, the Daniel Jones where he tripped over himself, the ESPN Desportes call, he's about to say, En fue go as he's crossing but instead he goes en fue no 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 <laughs> so you gotta love the uh, commentators there but they're commenting on some elite play from Robbie Yarventi. he has been lights out and on the other hand still no points for Lassie Thompson seems like he's not getting a whole lot of ice time either Pilsy yeah he really isn't and this is a guy you expected to play top pairing minutes over in Eels in Finland but he played just over 14 minutes in his last game and uh, guest of the show, Yoke Nevalainen, who's got great eyes on all Finnish prospects, he said he was watching the game and didn't even notice him at all. He forgot Lassie Thompson was even playing. So tough sledding for Lassie over there. I think, you know what, if one of his Tom bombs, one of his massive slap shots goes in, he gets a boost of confidence. I think we're going to see a quick turnaround from Lassie. But right now, this is, this is not looking good for the young right shot defenseman. So much time. This is a 2019 draft pick, right? People forget that he's just turned 20 years old. So the development path is a long and winding one for some. It's not always exponential. So I'm far from giving up on on last. You mentioned the Tom bomb and coming up with Saeed Kuda. We talk about the Sens power play setup and how they're they're just kind of missing that trigger man right now. Um, Maybe Dadanov could be it, but I see him more of a down low piece that can play that bumper position and convert closer to the net where you need that like Mike Hoffman-esque that like I can beat you from anywhere on the ice and the Tom bomb certainly can. So we're hoping that Lassie can figure it out a little bit here going forward and no world juniors for him. He just aged out of that, but I'm excited to see him whenever North American hockey picks back up if he does end up playing in an AHL season, but overshadowed by Yuso Valamaki. You heard the name in the highlight reel with uh with Robbie Yarventi. This is a guy who's guaranteed a spot in an NHL roster in Calgary. He's a first round pick. So he has been lighting it up for Elvis. They also added Barrett Hayton, who's a fifth overall pick, right behind Brady Kachuk. And you know what their crosstown rival did, Pilsy, to match that? Who'd they add? Looks like Sasha Barkov will be playing for Tapera Tapir. He's uh Whoa. seriously considering it. That is quite the ad if he does end up playing over there uh you are right though Kakaniemi uh did get loaned I forget what team over there I think his dad's a head coach anyways that doesn't matter what does is getting our takes and your takes on the show that's why every Saturday we do our send central citizen so here is our chat with Saeed Kuda 
All right, we now welcome on a very special guest this week, Send Central Citizen. It's Saeed. You can follow him on Twitter at Saeed Kuda. I was going to say it's your first time on the show, Saeed, but you were part of the draft coverage on D-Day. Take us through your emotions on draft day. How excited are you here as we get going into 2021? Guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, draft day was fantastic. I'll be honest with you. I was like most other people. I wanted to get a couple skilled forwards with those first two top five picks there, but I'm really feeling it. You know, Jake Sanderson's going to be one heck of a player. I'm confident in uh, Pierre Dorian and Trent Mann's judgment there. So really, you know what? I'm liking where we're going, guys, and I think it's better days ahead for us right now. All right, Saeed, you know how we do this on Send Central Citizen. We got to get your story. How did you become a Sens fan? What's what's the story? You told us that you're living in Canada right now, so you've got the CTC in sight. You must be a crazy Sens fan. How did that start out? Great question. I'd have to say my fandom really started back in the late 90s. And I kind of sort of remember the hype around Alexander Dag and also remember that uh, when Yashin was around town. But during those early years of my fandom, I was actually a really big fan of Sean McKeckern, surprisingly. He was just so fast and so good. I know he's a bit obscure, you know, and I really started becoming a big fan of the team when Alfie and, and uh, Hosa and Redden started taking over the team. And I remember always hearing the names of guys like Vinny Prospel and Magnus Arvidsson and, and uh, Andreas Dackel. Just so much depth on those teams. And Bonk. How could I forget Radic Bonk? He, he might, you know what I mean? He might not have been the most offensive-minded player, but you know, he was a complete player and just so good defensively and rarely made mistakes. So just a real Jacques Martin, prototypical type player. Yeah, I'm um, glad you mentioned Sean McCacron, though. Like he was basically out one of Alfie's vet line mates when Alfie came in the league. And he doesn't get enough credit, man. 142 goals with Ottawa, only seven players have more. That's amazing. That's amazing. And honestly, I just remember him being so fast. You know, I'm just a fan of like speed and just, you know, beating guys out wide. And, um, you know, I really became a fan, um, an even bigger fan in the early 2000s. You know, those teams were just unbelievable. Just so fun and so young to watch. You got Hosa, Alfie, Havlat. They're holding it down the offensive uh, side on the right side there. And, and, you know, guys like Redden and Chara and Chris Phillips leading from the back end and, you know, talk about depth all around, right? They had that uh, that three-headed monster that I just mentioned on the right side with Alfie Host and Havlat. And then up the middle of the ice, you got Spezza and, you know, Radic Bonk and Todd White. You know, Sean Van Brady. Allen. <laughs> yeah. And Brian Smolinski. You Yo, guys remember that guy? Yeah. Our last week, Alex Metzger mentioned him as being a guy he always remembered. I always remember him as having the yellow synergy. And there was one oh, playoff yeah. series against the Philadelphia Flyers where he wired a wrist shot past Czech Manic from like the blue line. I was like, man, this guy can snipe. Yeah. I mean, he was super useful. I mean, it was a short, short lived time, but I mean, he was, he was awesome. And, and all that center depth and they got to, you know, I'm pretty sure it was Mike Fisher that was kind of waiting for his opportunity because he was pretty young back in the early 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. And then on the left side, you have a couple of beauties and, and, and Peter Schaefer. And I think Anton Vermette played a little bit of center and played a little bit of left wing for the guys. And I mean, Schaefer's just like McEachern for me, just so fast and so skilled. He was gonna, he's always going to be one of my favorites. And to this day, in my opinion, Peter Schaefer holds claim to the nicest goal ever scored with that chip over the goalie chip in on Marty Turco. Yeah, against Dallas. Anyone oh, YouTube it if you haven't seen it. Unreal. Unbelievable. I still take uh, Jason Spezza making Sheldon Surrey oh. and Butler. And I remember the stadium. Like, I remember the arena. When that went off, I wasn't there live, but that was like, you could see like the people just going nuts 
when that move happened and, and when he just tucked it in. I, th- I think it was behind, uh, was it? It was uh, Jose, Jose Theodore, Theodore and yeah. he went backhand shelf and Theodore's just on his knees like, what just happened? It was in <laughs> oh overtime too. Oh my God. Like that was an unbelievable time to be a Sens fan. And in my opinion, the way they're building the team, they're being patient, they're not cutting corners. I think those types of days are ahead for us, guys. I'm not going to lie. You said uh, you think they're getting back to their glory days here. I want to ask you a quick question. Yeah. This is sort of sort of uh, your, your hot take section here. Of all <laughs> the off-season signings they've made, so they've made quite a bit of moves here, what do you yeah. think was the best value signing that Dorian got? Oof. I mean, come on. Dadnov was pretty incredible. Yep. I, I, I don't think any of us saw that coming. I know they mentioned that they were going to try and increase the overall skill in that top six, but no, honestly, I wasn't expecting them to make, uh, to make that type of signing. And at that price and at that term, I mean, I, I know he's like, what is he 30 or 31? So he's, he's not early thirties. Yeah. Okay. Boy, I don't know. I don't know how you can beat that. Obviously, you know, the draft was pretty great in drafting Timmy Stutzla. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good uh, addition to the top six. And, you know, I think Austin Watson is a low-key, fantastic guy. You know, you need guys like that. Watson, Good Branson, Josh Brown. You need guys like that when you've got a skilled team that's young. They don't have a lot of experience. You know, they need these kids need to really feel comfortable on the ice. And I think when you've got a couple guys that are there to – you know, insulate them if uh, other teams are going to kind of take, uh, try to take liberties on them. And how about in a situation site in a game where things are getting a little chippy or whatnot, and you can roll out Brady, give him an extra shift on the fourth line. Imagine giving Austin Watson going around and and smashing bodies. And you just think in a couple of years, maybe Ridley Gregg joins them in that situation. But the, the flexibility that that gives DJ Smith is, is unbelievable. And I think it's really going to help. Now, where I'm, a, I'm not sold completely yet mm-hmm. is how they're going to play in their defensive zone. Do you think that they're much improved right now from next year? Or will guys like Will Lannon really need to prove themselves to establish themselves as a decent back-end unit? I think that along with the center ice is, is the two major question marks, right? You got Matt Murray, so he's going to be able to erase a lot of mistakes, I think. I think he's going to have a pretty decent bounce-back season. Um, I think it all depends on Josh Brown, surprisingly, because it really does seem like Pierre Dorian's talking extremely highly of the guy. And he kind of fits that profile, at least from, you know, a quick glance um, of a Mark Mathot in a way. Uh, I think Mark Mathot might've been more, a little bit more established when he came over from Columbus, but you know, just listening to how Dorian is talking about the guy and saying that we believe he's just starting to scratch the surface of what he can be. I actually wouldn't be surprised if he's lining up beside Thomas Shabbat on, you know, opening night and uh, playing that uh, top pairing. I don't think it'll be, I don't think he's going to be playing top pairing, obviously on the power play, of course. Um, obviously Thomas is going to be the one who's probably going to be quarterbacking back in that with, I don't know, maybe a Timmy Stutzla playing on the right side there. And Drake yeah. looks great on the point and Belleville Ooh. playing the point. Oh, does he? Power play? Yeah. Yeah. He's got great vision up there. And then the only thing you're missing in that case is a guy with a cannon. Yep. And that, that is something that you need. Obviously, Sens fans were spoiled having Mike Hoffman in that trigger <laughs> position for years. Yeah, man, he, <laughs> Hoffman, you know, that guy's still looking for work, poor guy. But, uh, you know, I remember uh, a couple of buddies and I were just talking and saying, 
you know, what else can they possibly do to kind of improve the roster even more? Because, you know, do, don't forget, I mean, Dorian, it was reported that Dorian was uh, in on Toffoli until the very end, right? So yep. Dorian was on record saying that he started working on Dadnov from day one of free agency. So I think his intent was to get both Dadnov and Toffoli. So that tells me they're still looking to get some goal scoring on this team, whether it's going to be via free agency or, or acquiring it via trade. But, um, you know, Hoffman's a name that one of the guys brought up, and I'm like, just just take a walk, buddy. He, he, he's not coming back. No way, no how. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's coming back either. Uh, now, speaking of coming back and goal scoring, though, how would you feel if Anthony DeClaire ended coming up uh, back to the Sens? I don't think I'd be against it, but I think there's more to the story um, that we're not privy to. Uh, I know Dorian's been very transparent in saying that he's been in constant contact with him. I think saying that he's been talking with him every couple of days or so. But um, I don't know, because at the end of the year last year, I mean, I'm not trying, I mean, we all saw it. I mean, it didn't seem like Coach Smith was really deploying him as uh, liberally as he once was earlier on when, when, when Duclair was just like absolutely on some sort of a heater. And I don't know. I think, I don't know if there's a disconnect between player and coach there, but if he were to come back, I don't know if he'd be featured as much on the offensive end. I'll put it to you that way. So yeah, I mean, I'd be open to it, but he's got to be the one that's willing to like just work. You know yeah, and he saying? played he played a lot of the right wing last year, and it seems like that's pretty well set top yep. three right yep. now. But he's a left shot, so he can play left wing. You gotta hope at least because that right side top nine looks great to me right now with Dadanoff, Batherson, and, and Connor Brown locked up more. there. That's that's more. probably the strength of the team. And you mentioned the glory days building from that right wing depth. Alfie Hosa exactly. Havlat. Speaking of building, my last question for you. Which prospect outside of Timmy Stutzla are you most excited to, to follow their development going forward? Oof, there's just so many. <laughs> I know. We can do a yeah. whole episode on that, eh? We did a whole episode on yeah. that Thursday. And we'll be do another one, too. <laughs> yeah. I think Abramov is just on some type of heater, guys. And he wasn't that guy that I was putting as, like, the number one you know, prospect in the system. But it just seems like every other day there's a new highlight and he's just going off in Finland. So I'm really curious to see how he does in training camp. I hope they give him a shot. Like we said, that right side is pretty much called up for. But, I mean, if you're good and if you're good enough, coaches will find a, find a way to play you. Of course, there's Josh Norris, there's Drake Batherson. And, you know, I, I think – a lot of us are sleeping on Logan Brown. I really hope this guy finds his game because, you know, ultimately, if you can get a guy like that going and he turns out to be a top six, um, top two center, boy, oh boy. You know, you look at Timmy Stutzla in a couple of years, you got him, Josh Norris or Colin White. Man, I don't know. There's just so many. But I think I'd have to say Vitaly Abramov for me. Nice, nice. I like that. And, yeah, talking about Logan Brown, like if Logan Brown can uh... – fulfill his projections then you're not feeling so bad about missing out on Quentin Byfield I'm not saying they're the same caliber player but a big top six centerman you feel pretty comfortable if Logan Brown's fitting that spot so last question for me Saeed you talked about a bunch of players you like new jerseys are coming out if you haven't already got a jersey who's the first 2D jersey you're going to be picking up oh god Brady Kachuk nice (laughs) there's no hesitation that guy he's the best thing that's happened in this organization in a very long time are you saving room for the c 
<laughs> you know, that's a different question. I think that's a different discussion entirely. I wouldn't be against him having a C, but I think Thomas Shabbat is nice. going to be the next captain of this team. And, you know, I'd be happy if either of them were it. But part of me feels like if you give it to Brady, he's the type of guy that's going to drag a lot of guys into a lot of battles, no question about it. But there's a bit of a more rambunctious style to Brady's game, obviously. And I think if he's wearing the C, you don't want him to kind of feel like, oh, maybe I should kind of let, let off a little bit of my style. You know what I mean? Like when it comes to crunch time or when it comes to times where, you know, we, you know he needs to kind of display his um, – how am I trying to say this here in a, in a polite way without trying to sound disrespectful to, to all guys that are playing an aggressive style? Like when you got a guy like Thomas. Nastiness. Yeah. He's, he's got to get greasy. He's got to get in there. A hundred percent. You know, you kind of put a, like a governor on yourself. Like when, when, you're, when you're the captain of a team, you got to lead by example. You got to drag guys in, but you're not able to kind of, I don't know, engage so liberally you're not going to cross the line if you're the captain or at least you're going to be thinking about that i feel like i would heavily disagree and here's my example keith kachuk (laughs) captain in his third season in the nhl how about that with the winnipeg jets he put up 81 points in 84 games and he mixed in 255 penalty minutes (laughs) but that's that's all great but i'm gonna say that was what 20 years ago, I think yeah, uh, the game's point. changed a little. <laughs> a little bit, but that stat just jumped off the page when I went to find uh, Keith Kachuk. I was hey, I'd love it, he though. Went. Yeah, his first year as captain, and it was his highest penalty minute season in his entire career. What 93-94. Those guys are gifts to the game of hockey, man. Yeah. I love that family. I love Brady Kachuk. And honestly, Sense fans, we got so much to look forward to. And this guy, he's going to lead the way, him and Thomas Shabbat. Oh, we love it, Saeed. Ascend Central Citizen, we'll be sure to have you back on here as we figure out when next season starts. The hype train must continue, and you're the conductor. Follow him on Twitter, at Saeed Kuda. Pleasure having you on today, man. My pleasure's all mine, boys. Let's go, guys. Go, Sens, go, fellas. Simply one of the best. What a great conversation. Loved having him on. You'll be sure to hear that voice on the show going forward. Before we get to Colin White, let's talk about Vitalia Brahma because we brought him up in the show. But this guy, five goals now in three games. Man, this guy has just scored everywhere he's went. Absolutely, and I'm glad we, uh, we came back. There's still two guys we got to talk about. Abramov is one of them, and he is just so damn electric. Like, well, like you can't get enough of this guy. He roofed a one-timer pass from uh, – one-timer from a, such a nice cross-ice pass. And you just know his teammates, when they're on the power play – they're looking for a Vitaly. Why wouldn't they? This guy's five goals in three games. He scored five of the eight goals for Jokerit since joining. Like, he is the guy on that team. And he can get streaky. We saw that in Belleville. There was a point where he had five assists in three games towards the start of the season. <laughs> Two of those games coming against his former team. He had a four-point night. Two four-point nights with Belleville as well. So, when he gets hot, he certainly does. And I think he's got the inside track on making the Ottawa roster. How much, if any, do you think watching these players go overseas will affect their hierarchy on the Sens lineup? Because in in kind of jest, I say that, but at the same time, Trent Mann admitted that watching players play since they've returned affected how they drafted. An interesting note, too, is 
sure, maybe some of these leagues are lesser competition and you ha- you got to take that with a grain of salt. But it's really interesting for guys like Trent Mann and the Sens development team to get to watch these guys on their own in separate environments. Like when they're all together, you're kind of being like, okay, this guy matches good with him. He's working good here. He got bumped down the lineup. But these guys, most of them are playing top line minutes, top pair minutes, and they're, they're getting a chance to showcase what they have. And they have to do it in new environment, new te- teammates, and in different roles than what they're used to over in Belleville or their old team. So I think this gives you a unique view of what these players can do. And, man, talk about what these players can do. Rudolph Balsers, he's over there playing for the Oilers and Stavanger. What a way to start it off. Three points in his first game. The point streak starts now for Rudy. Let's just say that. Wow. Are you thinking he's going to match that 18 gamer he had in Belleville last year? Well, I mean, if you can do it in Belleville in uh, the American Hockey League, I certainly think you can do it in Norway. Yeah, well, you think usually when players can do it in the World Juniors, you maybe think that it's going to translate to the NHL. Not always the case. And last year, it certainly wasn't the case for Colin White. But after reading this Bruce Garriott piece, talking about how he was mentally drained after the injury, trying to force plays, I'm convinced this guy is coming in with not only a fresh mindset, but one that is going to make him change his approach at the NHL level, not force things offensively, and just rely on being a solid two-way center. Now, going forward, if you think that Colin White and Connor Brown, maybe they project best as third liners, they could be two-thirds of a very good third line. Absolutely, yeah. And then throw a guy like Balsers on uh, on the other side of that, right? Like, that adds a little offense. And uh, Balsers definitely isn't a defensive liability by any sense of the word. So I think that would be a nice third line, actually. And, Ross, you got you to gotta love the crew that Colin White is skating with. Listen, listen to this uh, this classic Boston group of guys here. Colin White is skating with Charlie Coyle, Chris Wagner, Kevin Hayes, Keith Yandel, Noah Hannafin, Ryan Donato, and Zach Sanford. Like, this, the, the antics that those guys probably get up to when they're training on the ice, especially for how long they've been training to, would just be hilarious. They're at a prep school in Braintree. And when you're Colin White, you're skating with some of these peers. A lot of these guys are veteran NHL guys. There's a lot you can learn about how to prepare, how to, how to eat how to work out, all these little things that you're going to be learning from being around guys like that for a long time. And I think it's really starting to take notice. In Gary Ock's article, um, Colin White said he dropped 10 pounds from 205 to 195, but I'm assuming he's he's really slimmed up, but also got a little more toned. You know, he's going to be a little stronger now in front of the net or in those puck battles when he's using his two-way ability. I'm so fired up for Colin White this season. So am I, and it's great to have him locked up long-term. I think he's got five years left. He's a guy who the Sens have clearly said they're going to build around. Besides Thomas Chabot, this guy's signed for the longest period. So they've put their eggs in this basket because the development curve doesn't stop when you get to the NHL. It just becomes amplified. So what can you do after a sophomore slump? I'm excited to find out. Uh, Any other notes before we go, Pilsy? We're going to take tomorrow off and be back with a couple great interviews on tap for next week and get into, well, seems like the Sens are giving us news every week. Pierre Lebrun said Dorian's not done in free agency, so that could happen too. Before we go, I want to talk a little more about Colin White. You were in uh, yesterday's episode, you were talking about how you saw so much offensive upside from him earlier in his career and that you're expecting to see some more of that. 
a lot of guys, sure, in junior and lower levels of competition, their offensive upside is huge. But then you get to the NHL and you have to change your game. And we talked about Connor Brown on that third line. That's a perfect example. This guy had, was dominating in junior. Yes, I know he played with Connor McDavid, but he was putting up massive points. And then he gets to the Leafs and, he's, and he looks at himself and says, I'm no longer the top six offensive guy. I need to mold my game. I need to be better two-way. And that's what he did. I think Connor White, uh, Colin White can learn a lot from Connor Brown. He's two, two color last names with similar first names there. Yeah, it's funny if uh, if they get somebody last name Black to play left wing or on that. Green or that something. Yeah, yeah, Green probably more more likely. But that's uh, that's a hilarious. Uh, so arbitration cases. It's Christian Yarosh on the seventh and Chris Tierney on the eighth. One day after, it's actually the final day of arbitration. But thank you for listening. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day.